we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We're in uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 3. We've been in the study of the life of David, if you're just joining us. And uh, as we come to 2 Samuel chapter number 3, there is a struggle that is taking place. David has been told by the Lord after uh, years of being on the run from Saul, being falsely accused of uh, being disloyal to Saul, and seeking to overthrow Saul, all of which, of course, was not true. Uh, Saul died in battle in his war against the Philistines, and David has been commanded by the Lord to go up, and uh, he was anointed in Hebron as the king of Judah. There's a man named Abner who was the captain of Saul's army, and Abner took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and anointed him as king over Israel. Ten tribes of the northern kingdom, as we will come to know it as we study the Word of God. Uh, And so there's a division in the kingdom Uh, those who give allegiance to David and those who give allegiance to the house of Saul. As we noted last week in chapter number two, the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. The kingdom of this world is waxing, growing weaker and weaker. Now, sometimes it's difficult for us to tell that when we see how it might seem as if the kingdom of this world is actually growing stronger, but they are not. They're growing weaker. We know who the kings are, these rival kings. There is King Jesus, and he is the rightful king. He is the coming king. He is the Messiah, the anointed one. He is returning Uh, soon to rule and reign upon this earth. And there's another king, though, the prince of this world, the devil, and he is in conflict with King Jesus. He wants to rule, and he has a great following, people that are deceived and bound in their sin and blind to the truth, and so they blindly follow Satan. And this struggle is ensuing. And as we come to chapter number three, we find the battle is uh, continuing between the house of Saul and the house of David. And I want you to go with me in here into 2 Samuel chapter three and verse number one. Now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. And unto David were sons born in Hebron, and his firstborn was Amnon and of Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and his second Kiliab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite, and the third Absalom, the son of Maacah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. And the fourth Adonijah, the son of Haggith, and the fifth uh, Shephathiah, the son of Abitel, and the sixth Ithream by Egla, David's wife, these were born unto David in Hebron. 
And it came to pass while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ai of Ishbosheth, said to Abner, Wherefore hast thou gone in unto my father's concubine? And then was Abner very wroth for the words of Ishbosheth, and, and said, Am I a dog's head, which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul, thy father, and to his brethren, and to his friends, and have not delivered thee into the hand of David, that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman. So do God to Abner, and more also, except as the Lord has sworn to David, even so I do to him. To translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan even to Beersheba. And he, that's Ishbosheth, could not answer Abner a word again because he feared him. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land? Saying also, Make thy league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee to bring about all Israel unto thee. And he said, Well, I will make a league with thee. But one thing I require of thee, that is thou uh, shalt not see my face, except thou first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when thou comest to see my face. And David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife, Michael, which I espoused to me for an hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, and even from Faltiel, the son of Laish. And her husband went with her along, weeping behind her to Behurim. Then said Abner unto him, Go, return, and he returned. And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, Ye sought for David in times past to be king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord hath spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies." And Abner also spake in the ears of Benjamin. And Abner went also to speak in the ears of David in Hebron and all that seemed good to Israel. And that seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner came to David to Hebron and 20 men with him. And David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel unto my lord the king that they make they may make a league with thee, and that thou mayest reign over all that thine heart desireth. And David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop, and brought in a great spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he was gone in peace. When Joab and all the host that was with him were come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he hath sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What hast thou done? Behold, Abner came unto thee. Why is it that thou hast sent him away? And he is quite gone. Thou knowest Abner, the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee, and to know thy going out and thy coming in, and to know all that thou doest. And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again from the well of Syrah. But David knew it not. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly. 
and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Azahel, his brother. And afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house. And let there not fail from the house of Joab one that hath an issue or that is a leper or that leaneth on a staff or that falleth on the sword or that lacketh bread. So Joab and Abishai his brother slew Abner because he had slain their brother Azahel at Gibeon in the battle. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would give us understanding by your spirit. Would you speak to our hearts today? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice this phrase we find in verse number one. The Bible said, now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And I want to borrow that phrase for my title this morning, The Long War. The Long War. Now we understand that the kingdom of David and the kingdom of Saul were historical kingdoms. But they speak prophetically of another kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Uh, David, of course, the great psalmist of Israel, the great king. It was through David that the Lord made a covenant and said, your son, your descendant will reign upon the throne forever. The fulfillment of that promise is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the promised seed of the woman in Genesis chapter 3. He's the promised seed of Abraham in Genesis chapter number 12. And he is the promised son of David, the coming king, uh, as God made a covenant with David. And so we know that David's historical kingdom speaks prophetically of Christ's coming kingdom. And we understand that David here in chapter number three and in the preceding chapters is doing kingdom work. Now, I mentioned this to my wife this week because as I was studying this third chapter, uh, there is no doubt this is a, a really difficult chapter. It's difficult because there are so many difficult topics addressed. You have a king who has multiple wives. What does God say about that? You have a man who goes into Saul's concubine. What is a concubine? Why did he have any right to go into her? Then you have a, a separation, an argument, a disagreement. Then uh, a, a Abner, who is the captain of, of Saul's army, who because of that disagreement breaks his union with the house of Saul and goes over to the house of David. We're sort of suspicious of his motive, aren't we? And then we hear David saying, bring me Michael, my wife, who he hadn't probably seen in more than 10 years. She had been taken by Saul, her father, away from her husband. Her husband was David. And because Saul was angry at David and accused David of betraying him, which he had not done, he decided to use his daughter as a pawn to punish David and 
he gave her to another man to marry. And now we find David saying, if you want Abner to come back uh, to me, if you want to come and be on my side, then you need to bring my wife with you. Then we have this awful scene where Abner is bringing Michael back to David and her husband is following behind crying. And then we hear Joab has come into the palace and he finds out that Abner uh, was in the palace and not only was he in the palace, but he's been sent away in peace. And Joab's thinking, that's the guy who killed my brother in battle in chapter number two. That's the guy who started this whole conflict by anointing Ishbosheth as king. Why in the world would David allow this guy to come into the kingdom? And then Joab conspires and deceives Abner and brings him back, back to Hebron and takes him aside like he was going to have a conversation with him and then plunges a sword or a knife deep into his ribs. I mean, this is a difficult passage. I said to my wife this week, I said, it's, it's like working a puzzle sometimes. You, you have all the pieces and you're trying to see how they fit together because you really want not just the pieces to come into clarity, but you want the whole picture to come into clarity. And I think if, if, if we'll look at this over the next couple of weeks because we're not going to get it done today, and you'll probably thank me for that. will begin to gain an understanding of God's kingdom and the people who are in that kingdom. I've often said this, people are the same everywhere you go. What I mean by that is you deal with the same personalities and the same characteristics. They have different names, they have different faces, but really they're the same everywhere you go. And as we live in this world, we deal with people who can be difficult to deal with. But we also deal with people who are very pleasant to deal with, and maybe we wish that everybody was as pleasant as we are or think we are, <laughs> right? But they're not. And some of them are in the family of God. And really where we come to is how do we treat people who are in the kingdom? Because Abner, like it or not, Joab, Abner has come into the kingdom. How are you going to receive him? Because when Abner goes out from the palace that day, he goes out on a mission for the king. And Joab says, wait a minute. I don't like him. He killed my brother. He didn't murder his brother. That's an important distinction. He killed him in battle only because Azahel, as we learned last week, would not listen. Azahel engaged Abner, and Abner really to preserve his own life had no other choice but to end the life of Azahel. And Joab remembers it, and he's going to make Abner pay. Mahatma Gandhi said to a Christian missionary once, he said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. You see, not only should we side with the right king, 
Not only should we serve the right king, but I want to say that we should shine for our king. Amen. What do you mean by that? I mean we should shine with his countenance, with his likeness. Our attitude, our actions, our spirit should bear the image of Jesus Christ. So in this passage, we're going to see a man who began on the wrong side of the conflict, but he came over to the right side. Aren't you always glad when you see that happen? By the way, let me just say this. All of us began on the wrong side of the conflict. Then we're going to see a man who was on the right side, but he sought revenge against his newfound fellow servant. And then we're going to see a king who rewarded the actions of both. And so we're going to note, first of all, if you're taking notes, a sovereign seeking reconciliation. A sovereign seeking reconciliation. That's what's happening in this entire conflict between the house of Saul and the house of David. And it is what is happening today in the conflict between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Behind the prince of the power of the air is rebellion and wickedness. Behind King Jesus is the ministry of reconciliation. He is our sovereign. He is the rightful king. And what he is doing in the long war is not seeking to destroy people. He is seeking to reconcile with them. As Isaiah said, come now, or the prophet Isaiah wrote these words, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall become like wool. What is the message of our God? It is that he is calling out in order to reconcile lost sinners to himself, seeking not to destroy them, but giving them everlasting life. Not just coming to establish some turn or burn religion. No. No, but coming to reason with us. You see, the world's already on fire. Our soul is already headed for hell. He didn't come to send us there. He came to save us from going there. He is our sovereign and he is seeking reconciliation. Now let's look at some things here in, in, in the passage. And we, we've moved a little bit beyond as we come to verse six, uh, the mention of David and his family. Kings in those days would have multiple wives and have multiple children because their children would be a target of the enemy. So it was a custom among kings to have multiple wives. But God commanded in his law in the book of Deuteronomy that the king should not multiply wives to himself. So in this point, David has made an error. And it's one that as we study his life, we're going to see will come home to roost because his sons will be a problem for him. Now, we come to verse 6, and the Bible says, And it came to pass, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. Well, now let's remember who Abner is. He is the captain of Saul's army. 
And he it is who has rebelled against the house of David by taking Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and anointing him to be king, not only uh, over the tribe of Benjamin, but over the northern tribes, ten tribes of the nation of Israel. This Abner is an influential man. He's a powerful man. He is a get it done man. To be honest with you, he's the kind of man that most of us would not like. And the Bible says he made himself strong for the house of Saul. Now the question is, why is he making himself strong? Well, I, I believe that as we've learned that Ishbosheth is a weak king, he's a puppet. He's a puppet who's going to carry out Abner's agenda. And truly we see that Abner is the one who's leading this rebellion against David. Now, as we come to verse 7, we're going to find that Abner is going to have a dispute with Ishbosheth. And because of that dispute, this will lead to his separation from the house of Saul. Look at it in verse 7. And Saul had a concubine. Now, a concubine is, a, is, is like a wife of Saul, but she doesn't have the status of being a wife. Her name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ea. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Wherefore hast thou gone in unto my father's concubine? Then was Abner very wroth for the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul thy father to his brethren and to his friends and have not delivered thee into the hand of David that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman? So Ishbosheth apparently hears this rumor or this report that Abner has gone in unto Rizpah. He has gone in and committed uh, adultery with Rizpah. She was the concubine of Saul. Now, Abner doesn't deny this, and we're not told whether or not this is true. All we're told is that Abner is angry. Again, he says in verse 8, am I a dog's head? That would have been a, a phrase that would have been used in those days which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul thy father to his brethren to his friends and have not delivered thee into the hand of David that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman. In other words, who do you think you are to charge me with this? Who do you think you are to find fault with me? If I chose to do that, that was certainly within my right, you can imagine him thinking or even saying. So who do you think you are, Ishbosheth? Don't you understand how I've been kind to you? Now, Ishbosheth would have taken this as a threat to his kingship because the king's concubine and the king's wives belonged exclusively to the king or to his heir. And so for someone else to go in to one of the king's concubines was to usurp the authority of the king. What Ishbosheth saw here is that Abner was threatening him as the king. Perhaps Abner got intoxicated by his power and just assumed he had this right. Poor Rizpah had no rights at all, apparently. We're not told if she was against this or for it. All we know is that it possibly could have happened. 
And because of this contention, Abner says in verse nine, so do God to Abner and more also, except as the Lord has sworn to David, even so I do to him. To translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan even to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner a word because he feared him. Now, what I think is taking place here is that Abner is growing increasingly frustrated with Ishbosheth and the house of Saul. That Abner is beginning to see what he should have seen in the beginning, that there is no hope in the house of Saul. I want you to know that many people in our world are beginning to see that there's no hope in the house of the devil. There's no hope in this world. The political parties, the educational systems, the philosophical systems, the financial and economic systems and structures of our world offer no hope. Uh, people in, in the Islamic nations who have been brutalized by extreme uh, extremist Muslims, uh, they tell us now, and, 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 and Brother Edgar Fogali, who was in our pulpit not too long ago, told us that because of the hostility and the cruelty and the harshness of many of these Islamic extremists, that many Muslims are now opening their eyes to the, this, this, this oppressive system and beginning now to turn to Christ and look to him for hope. You see, even as we see our world in its hostility and in its, in its wickedness, its violence, and its hatefulness, as, as we see all of this taking place, here's one thing we can be assured of, that God is working to separate some people from the house of Saul and bring them over to the house of Christ. And so regardless of the circumstances, Abner now finds himself saying, I'm out of the house of Saul, I'm heading to the house of David. Look in verse 12. And Abner sent messengers to David on this on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land? Saying, Also make thy league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee to bring about all Israel unto thee. So Abner says, I want to serve you. I want to switch sides. Now look at David's response in verse 13. And he said, Well, I will make a league with thee. Now, I want you to know this is not something we should gloss over. This is a big statement because David is speaking to the man who basically has divided the kingdom, who has led the entire uh, nation of Israel to, to, to rebel against David. He's speaking to the chief rebel. I remember the words of, of, De, of, of the Apostle Paul. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus has came into the world to save sinners of whom, what did he call himself? I am chief. Well, Abner's the chief. There's no doubt about it. Will you, David, accept me, the chief? What was Paul doing on the road to Damascus? He was going to fight against Christianity. He was going to persecute the Christians. He was fighting against King Jesus. And King Jesus spoke to him on the road and, and revealed himself to him. And before it's over, what does Saul, whose name was, became Paul, and at the time his name was Saul, what does he say? What wilt thou have me to do? Well, he begins by saying, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. 
It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You see, God was already working. He was already working in Saul's life. He was already working in Paul's life to bring him to himself. God perhaps is already working here in Abner's life. He's beginning to see the futility of being in the house of Saul. He's beginning to see the emptiness of it. He's beginning to understand it'd be far better for him to be in the kingdom of David and the kingdom of Christ. And when he asked David, will you have me? He said, well, yes, I'll have you. I'm thankful for what Jesus said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, Jesus will receive you if you'll come to him. Now notice again in verse 13, and he said, well, I will make a league with thee, but one thing I require of thee, that is thou shalt not see my face except thou first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when thou comest to see my face. And David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife, Michael, which I espoused to me for an hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, even from Thautiel, the son of Laish. And her husband went with her along, weeping behind her to Bahurim. Then said Abner unto him, Go return. And he returned. I remember reading this as a young boy and thinking to myself, I felt bad for Faltiel. But on the other hand, Faltiel had to know she belonged to another and not to him. You see, Saul used his daughter as a pawn in a political conflict. He used her. He took her from her husband and gave her to another. And now David says to Abner, if you want to come and join my side, bring my bride back to me. John Woodhouse in his commentary speaks concerning David's motivation in bringing Michael back to him. And this is what he says. He said it was probably more, more than, but not necessarily less than his personal affection for his first wife. In other words, he loved her. Michael had been wrongly taken from him by Saul, presumably against her will. This was one expression of Saul's persecution of David. The return of Michael would represent an acknowledgement on the part of the house of Saul of David's rights. It would imply that Saul had been wrong, not only in taking Michael from David, but in all his opposition to David. The return of Michael, in other words, would represent a change in the house of Saul's attitude toward David. It would, we might say, be an expression of repentance. You see, if we're going to come to the king, we have to repent. We have to acknowledge that we've been wrong. We have to change our mind about our sin. And we have to come to him as king. Michael's return would be a token of the nation being transferred to David. Furthermore, David's desire to have Michael as his wife was an expression of David's positive attitude toward the house of Saul already expressed in so many other ways. David's immediate and definite response sent to Abner displayed his willingness, his eagerness to receive all of Israel, his determination that this would happen on his terms. 
So when Abner said, I, I think I've had enough of this house of Saul. I, I, I just don't see any hope in this. I, I think maybe I'm wrong. I want to go over to the house of David. I want to go over to the right king. David said, come. And what does Jesus say to all who come to him? Come. Repent of your sin. Turn to me and come. Now look in verse 17. And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel saying, ye sought for David in time past to be king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord hath spoken of David saying by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. And Abner also spake in the ears of Benjamin and Abner went also to speak in the ears of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and that seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So what happens here is that Abner becomes a messenger for David. And what a powerful message he sends. Again, in verse 17, ye sought for David in time past to be king over you. Remember that day in the Valley of Elah when, when David, uh, when he slew the giant? Remember that day when, when uh, the, the women saying Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. Remember how your hearts cried out and yearned for David in the oppressive, tyrannical rule of Saul. Well, now he's been anointed king. I like what he has to say here. Now then, do it. What are you waiting on? Do it. Let me ask you that question. What are you waiting on? You say, well, I know who Jesus is. I believe he's the Savior, the Son of God. I just haven't made that decision for myself to receive him as Savior. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Now then do it. Now notice what he says here. This is amazing. For the Lord hath spoken of David. Now I think, well, wait a minute, Abner. What happened to that statement a few pages back? You see, here we find that Abner, he knew what God was doing. He was resisting it. So many of us resist the Lord. Many of you who've come to the Lord know that there was a period of time in your life when he was drawing you to himself and you were resisting him. But now Abner says, the Lord has spoken of David, saying by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. There is no salvation in the house of Saul. There is only salvation to be found in the house of David in the house of Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus uh, Christ is king to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Abner said, this is him. And so he told David what the men of Israel had said, that they were willing to come over. Now go with me to verse 20. So Abner came to David to Hebron and 20 men with him and David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel unto my Lord the king that they may make a league with thee and that thou mayest reign over all that thine heart desireth. And David sent Abner away. Now don't miss these final words in verse 21. And he went in peace. Amen. 
Look again in verse 22, the last phrase of verse 22, speaking of Abner, he was gone in peace. Verse number 23, when Joab was told that Abner had been in the palace, they concluded the message in verse 23 saying, he is gone in peace. You see, the man who was at war is now at peace. That only happens one way when you come to Jesus. When you surrender. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. When you surrender, when you repent, when you turn from your sin, acknowledge that he is the Savior, I want you to know that he brings you into a relationship of peace with him. The Bible says this to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. In other words, what God is saying when he says to wit, he means think about that for a minute. Have you thought about it? You know, we all see ourselves as pretty good people. Now, we're really good at pointing out all the problems with everybody else. But we really are not very proficient at seeing our own issues, are we? But God sees them. And there are times when we look into the Word of God and God by His Spirit speaks to us and we begin to see our flaws and our sinfulness. And then we can really, if we're not, we can fall into a despairing place when we recognize how utterly sinful we are. But here's what I want to say to you. Even though we were utterly sinful, Christ came to this world to redeem us, to reconcile us to himself, to remove the war, to remove the animosity, to remove the hatred, to remove the penalty of sin, to to deliver us from an eternity in hell and give us a home in heaven a harmonious relationship with him. What a glorious thing it is that God has done for us. And I just get the sense that as Abner is sitting here in verse number 20 at this feast that David has prepared, do you know what Abner's thinking to himself? I was a fool not to do this much earlier. Oh, look at what I've been missing out on. Oh, look at what I could have enjoyed so much sooner. And I believe his heart was so overcome with his newfound relationship in the house of David. He couldn't hold himself back. Look in verse 21. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel unto my Lord the king. I don't just want to sit here and take all this in myself. I want the whole nation to know it. And so I'm going to go. I remember when I was a little boy and I got saved in Bible school. I heard the gospel. My heart was convicted. I went forward, met with a worker. They opened the Bible, showed me from the word of God how that I could be saved. And I knelt and prayed as a seven-year-old boy and asked Jesus to save me. I don't remember the prayer. I really don't. I don't remember what the preacher said. I really don't. I just remembered that I left that day in peace. A seven-year-old boy filled with the peace of God and the blessings of knowing Jesus. After Bible school, I went back to the house where I would stay in the summer with uh, a neighbor and, and her sons and they cared for me during the day and her name was Nancy and I said Nancy I got saved today I said Nancy I need to use the phone is that okay and I called my mom at work 
And I told my mom, Mom, I got saved today. I got off the phone with my mom and I said, Nancy, I got to tell some more people. Is it okay? And I got on the phone and I said, Nancy, I got to call my granny. Can I call my granny? She lived in the next county. That meant it was long distance. So I called her collect. <laughs> Seven years old. I called her collect. I thought, well, man, when she gets this call, she is not going to be happy. She is not going to be happy to hear the operator say, you have a collect call from Scott Hooks. But she was happy to hear it, and she received it. And you know what I told her? I said, Granny, I just got saved. Amen. You see, I wanted to go to everybody I could go to and say, I've met the king. I've dined with the king. I have peace with the king. Why don't you come and join the king? Amen. You see, while the enemy sharpens their swords and aims their heavy guns at Jesus and his church, I want to tell you what Jesus is doing. He's standing with an outstretched hand and he's saying, whosoever will, let him come. Let him come. I want to ask you this morning, have you come to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? If you're not, I want you to know you're in the house of Saul and you're headed for an awful, awful destiny in hell. But Jesus loves you and he died to save you. You see, he didn't come to destroy men's lives. He came to save them. He came to rescue you in this long war from an oppressive king and deliver you into his kingdom of light. Will you come to him? Oh, how he desires to save you. Will you turn from your sin and acknowledge Jesus and serve him as your Lord and Savior? Now, we didn't have time to go to Joab, but we already have read what Joab did. He murdered Abner. Why? Because Abner in battle had slain his brother Azahel. He had no choice. And Joab could have received a new brother. But instead, he wanted to kill him. Remember what I said last week about those sons of Zeruiah? They'd rather kill their enemy than convert them. Sometimes Christians take on that characteristic too. We look at people in the family of God who we don't like or who have unpleasant qualities and we get an awful attitude. People who've offended us and we get an awful attitude. And what we want to do, we want to just take them aside and man, just take that, that dagger and right under that fifth rib, let them have it because they got it coming to them. And we go to war with those God has made peace with. And it so displeases the Lord and brings reproach upon his name. Now, we'll look at that closer next week. But this week, we see our Savior, our sovereign. And what is he doing in this long war? He's not seeking to destroy. He's seeking to deliver. He is seeking reconciliation. Now, 
as believers, if we know Christ, shouldn't we be reconciled to our brother? Joab had that opportunity, but he pushed it aside. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.